Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Man, isn't he awesome? Isn't it just so good to draw close to him? And it's not about performance. It's just about opening our hearts to him. It's about receiving from him. And so tonight we're going to do that, and um, I'm so excited to have my, my brother and uh, comrade in the faith, and Pastor Stefan. So first of all, we want to thank you for opening your, the building. We know it's God's building. It's the first thing you'll tell me, and we're just roommates, right? <laughs> and so, but we want to thank you for opening your doors and, uh, and advancing the kingdom. What many don't know, there's two things um, that I want to say that I appreciate about Pastor Stefan is um, he's about building the kingdom. And you don't see that a lot in ministers. And um, it's about many times our you know, own agendas. And, and, and Pastor Stefan, from the time I've known him in this city, he has opened his doors for all kinds of kingdom work and kingdom things that are going on in the city. Opened it up for free many times and just has always been that way and and just wanting to advance the kingdom of God wherever he can and using the resources that God has given freely to be able to do that. It's a rare thing. You would think, oh, it shouldn't be that way, but it, it is. It, it, it isn't like that in, in all the different churches, but it needs to be. Amen? And so we're, we're thankful for that, and I also appreciate someone to pray with and to stand together with and to join my heart with together to advance God's kingdom. We were able to pray together. And do we agree 100% on everything? No. But we're both genuinely seeking the truth. And we can sharpen one another. And we can learn from one another. But where we've united is our hearts together in prayer. And it's, that's the starting place, I believe. Because once that's established, we can rub off all the rough edges. But we know the end goal is the same. We're all advancing to build his kingdom. And our hearts are united for that. So... I'm excited to receive what God has put on his heart. Uh, we've, we've done pulpit swaps. I've done actually a couple of times at Bethel. So he's finally coming here. So I've been, I've been just like, come on, you got to get over here. And I'd like to be able to see more pulpit swaps. What, what, one of my things I want to see for the ministerial is, um, this is something we've talked about for years, is just swap all kinds of pulpits. Everyone just go wherever. And, and to put all of, instead of on the churches, our names and our, our whatever the church's names are, just put a banner over it and say, the church. And we all just kind of, and it's kind of like everyone's like, hey, we're like just one big family. Yeah, we are. And so we're, we're practicing. This is a dress rehearsal. So Pastor Steph, come on up. We're so glad to have you. Let's give him a welcome. Here we go. You got me. You got me. It is wonderful to be here. Thank you, Pastor Greg. 
Friends, one kingdom, one church, one Lord, one Savior, one family. Turn your neighbor. You're going to spend eternity with them, so get used to it now. And not only, not only the ones here, but uh oh, the ones at Bethel and Hope and Catch the Fire. And maybe some of those further, further out there cousins, you know, the, the Baptists and some Pentecostals and Methodists. And, oh, my goodness. It's all good. We're one family. We're one church. It's one kingdom. It's one Lord. Amen. And yes, it's not mine. It's the Lord. So welcome here. And uh, thank you for having me tonight as well. And yes, it's been too long. It's been oh, it's a year and a year, over a year since you're in the building and I haven't visited yet. I do watch online. I do catch up with you online once in a while, especially at the beginning when we're having all these technical glitches with stuff like that. It was, oh my goodness, like, anyway, I apologize for those. <clears throat> but it is good to be here in, in, in the house sharing uh, this time with you this morning. One of the things I, I, I do is this. Now, everyone's got one. You can hold it up, hold it up high. I don't know if you're going to use it or not, but um, it was given to me by uh, one of the first churches I was at. The pastor there was amazing, and uh, he would hand these things out. People remember 10% of what they read. Only 10%. That's horrible. 20% of what they hear. 30% of what they see. 50% of what they see and hear. And 70% of what they say and write. So you should have pen in hand. You should have Bible beside you like this, ready to rock and roll. So pen, Bible, and a sheet there. 90% of what they do. Let's not be deceiving ourselves. Let's be doers of the word. Amen? So this is just a little help for you to make some notes on. If you don't like it, I tell my people to do this. Just don't let me see you do that because it, it hurts. Right? So uh, anyway, just a little, supposed to be a little helpful hint. What a great country we live in, isn't it? I love this country of Canada. I'm so thankful for this country of Canada. I've had the privilege of living in three provinces now. BC is where I met my wife. Uh, Manitoba is where uh, we administered first when I first became a pastor. And then uh, Ontario is where I'm from, and we're back here in Ontario. But I've been out to the west, uh, west coast many times, lived there. Been out to the east coast, beautiful out there uh, on the rock. I've only been on the west side of the rock uh, up the rest, west side of Newfoundland. It's a beautiful, wonderful country. God has really blessed Canada, and I'm so thankful to be in this country. But I have to tell you, I'm more thankful, far more thankful, infinitely far more thankful to be a child of the kingdom of God, a child of the king. And as a child of the king, when I see this country, as beautiful as it is, as, as wonderful as it is, as as, as Incredible as it is, my heart bleeds for this nation. My heart breaks for this nation because of the darkness, because of the brokenness, because of the chaos and confusion. And, and, and I think we're at that border. I think the convoy is just that, uh, just that angst is getting out and, and people are getting upset and, and, and itchy. The COVID thing hasn't helped, that's for sure. And, and if I think about praying for the country, I have one prayer. That the church would stand up and be the church that God's created it to be at this time. That the church of Jesus Christ would be the church that God has ordained for it, empowered to be at this time. We have the hope. We are the hope. The church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B. God put the church here on earth to do his business, his work, his kingdom advancement. And we 
need in this church, and you've heard Pastor Greg talk about this repeatedly, I know. We need revival. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you need revival. Turn to your other neighbor, tell him you need revival. Tell yourself you need revival. Where does it start? It starts with a person sitting in your pew. It starts with you, it starts with me, it starts with us. The church needs to be awakened, to be everything that she's called to be. I need revival. She needs to be awakened to live up to the call that God has placed upon her life to be the agent of transformation, to individualize and as individuals into a society. The problem, friends, is when I think of what the society thinks of the church right now. What does the society think of the church? What does she think about my Jesus? And that causes me such pain. Are they attracted to the church? Is the church being winsome? Are our lives, what are our lives communicating exactly about that which we have received, this wonderful gospel that we have received? What kind of witnesses are we today? Friends, the church needs revival. The church needs to be awakened. The church needs to humble herself. If my people, if my people called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked way, then he would hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal the land. Does Canada need healing? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We are called to be the witness to the kingdom of God in this world. This is the thought I want to deal with today. I know Pastor Greg is in a, a series on the kingdom of God. Our witness here in Barry, friends, is so critical. And yes, I will do everything to bring the oneness, the unity, the love, the kingdom of God to this city. To Bethel, that was my call, Bethel, Barry, and beyond. That was the call that the Lord told me about when he called me here. To set this up, I want to turn to two familiar texts today. The first, they're going to be on the screen, by the way. That's part of the PowerPoint thing. You get to follow along on the screen. But, friends, there's something about the sound of paper. You know, I know you got it on an app. You have your phones and stuff like that. I heard that they have an app with the phone that it actually, when you're flipping the screen, it actually sounds like paper. Uh, but um, but I, I had something about having it in front of me. I love the Word of God. Amen? First uh, section is, first text I want to look at it briefly is Acts chapter 1, verse 3 to 8. You're familiar with these verses. They will be on the screen. It's going to be right here for you. But it's better to read it in your book. <clears throat> Jesus says that. I want to give you the context here. After his suffering, that's the suffering of Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. And this verse, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus appeared to his disciples over 40 days, 40 days following his resurrection and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Say it again, kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom of God. And his disciples asked, now with the cross behind them, 
will the ultimate messianic kingdom, is it now about to come? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the future, but it is yours to receive the power. The power to be my witnesses. And this, with those words, he makes a number of points. I want to look at that. It's the Spirit. The Spirit of God that empowers the church to bear witness to the kingdom of God. Y'all know that. I know y'all know that. Amen? And I'm sure Pastor Greg has discussed for you, described for you what he means by the kingdom of God. But just to make sure we're on the same page, I'm going to give you my definition. It's a difficult concept in many ways. It's like, you know, define universe. Give three examples. Divine Trinity. Give three examples. Define kingdom of God. Give three examples. Well, in, in the synoptic gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke talk about the kingdom of God. The word there, kingdom, is from the Greek word basileia, which means kings or kingdom, king. A kingdom is a place where a king sovereignly rules. And if I were to give you a short definition, it's about the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. Power, say power, people, and place. God's power, God's people, God's place. These three things are like three strands of a cord. They go strong together. You cannot pull them apart. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, there's a few things we have to note here. First, we note that the power to rule is whose? His is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory forever and ever. The sovereign creator God, Yahweh Sabaoth, is omnipotent in power. There's no limit to his power. There is no limit to his kingdom. But the kingdom is not necessarily a physical place unless you're talking about right here in your chest in my place. That's the place he rules from in our lives. For those who are his people. I want to unpack that for us for a little bit. We're talking about the church here, friends. You will receive power. Who's he talking to? The apostles, the disciples, the church, his church, his people. Whenever anyone bends the knee to the lordship of King Jesus, repents of their sins, comes to personal saving faith in Jesus Christ, you become the church. You become what's called in the Greek, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Called out of the world and into relationship, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, called out from the world, called to be with him. And the church has been, friends, called out of the world. Called out of the world. We've, we're called to be kingdom people. We placed ourselves under a new sovereign, under a new Lord, King Jesus. We've denounced earthly ways, earthly priorities, worldly practices, worldly ways of thinking, because we have a new sovereign. We have a new allegiance. Our hearts are his. And beloved of God, that makes us, it's going to make us to be a peculiar people. Peter uses that word. I love that. Turn to your neighbor and tell them they're peculiar. We are a peculiar people, a people that have been called out, set apart from this world to come under the lordship of King Jesus. And the church has always been countercultural. Always, always will. Different values, different priorities, different lords. And the natural consequence, as I said, is the, the, the physical location of God's reign is wherever his people are. 
Wherever you walk into a room, you may be the only believer in that room, but you bring the kingdom of God in you, with you. When you enter that room, you have to understand you're an ambassador for Christ. You are an agent of the kingdom. You are a spirit-empowered testimony to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a whole bunch of questions here about the church. I love the church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. And by the way, whose bride is she? His. Never speak bad against the church. Never, 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 never gossip or slander, you know, that church. Don't do it. Don't go there. That person whom Jesus gave their life for, if they know the Lord Jesus Christ, if they have been blood-bought with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's your brother. That's your sister. Do not disparage in any way the one for whom he laid his life down. Stop it. Stop the gossip. Stop the slander. Friends, they will know we are Christians by how we love one another, right? By how we love one another. They will know you are my disciples by your love. And we've got to start loving one another tangibly, practically, but let, let, let's put a, a lid on that, that stuff. It really drives me crazy. If you were to say something bad about my wife, I'm not an angry person, I'm not a violent person, but we're going to have a confrontation. You don't have a confrontation with Jesus. Amen? And when, friends, we are here, why, why are we here? Why are we here? Love to worship. I love worshiping the Lord. You know that. You know that. Ignite's coming back. We're reigniting Ignite soon, I pray. I love worshiping the Lord. But there's going to be better worship in heaven. I, I love the fellowship of the saints. I love fellowshipping with Jesus. But friends, it's going to be better fellowship in heaven. Amen? I love discipleship. I love sitting around a circle and opening our scripture, but you know what? With Jesus teaching it, like, oh my goodness, it'll be better in heaven. I'm even thinking that it's going to be better potlucks in heaven. I love food. I love joining one another with food, but friends, there's going to be better food in heaven, better potluck, a table spread out before us, amen? What's the one thing that you can't do better in heaven than you can here? Witness to an unbeliever about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We're here to be ambassadors, a witness, a testimony of the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign in our lives and in our hearts. And we really have to rethink some of it. So often we think of mission or outreach as something the church does. Other way around, friends. God sent Jesus in this world on mission. And in the mission, he established his church. The Spirit of God is poured out now upon our hearts to go into the world to establish God's church. Which comes first, the mission or the church? The mission has always been first. God's mission to redeem and call to himself a lost people, a people in darkness. And God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to this world to establish his church. Sent him on mission. You and I are sent on mission to establish God's rule and reign wherever he takes us, to whomever would seek to talk to us, wherever we go. And hence, we have to think of the church as missional. The church is mission. Say it. The church is mission. Essentially missional. That's why we're left here on earth. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I, after I got saved, I thought, man, it would have been better right at that time if I would have walked out the door and got hit with a Mack truck. It would have been easier. It would have been simpler. This journey of sanctification and growing in the Lord and everything like that, it's like, but I'm here on mission. We are here on mission. 
We are here on mission to continue the mission and ministry of Jesus, the church's mission. Not an add-on program, not a something like this. Scripture tells us that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. When Jesus went around healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons, he was attacked by the religious leaders. I think it's by the, the chief of demons that he casts out demons, right? Jesus says, what nonsense. A kingdom divided against itself can't stand. Jesus came to advance his kingdom. Jesus came to push back the enemy. Jesus talked about a, a strong man entering a house and plundering the house. He has to bind the strong man first. Jesus came, went to a cross, bound Satan, bound the strong man so that now the kingdom of God could be advanced. I love the fact, friends, that there's no hard cases. There's no impossible cases with God. There is not an impossible case in your life, in the life of anyone you know, as long as there's breath, as long as we're still on this side of the river. Who can't Jesus heal? Who can't Jesus touch? Who can't Jesus turn upside down and turn right side up, I should say? And so each time Jesus heals a, a demoniac, a soul is liberated. A soul that was enslaved to Satan is now liberated. Or every time he goes and, and shares a word of the, of the word, uh, the word uh, again, he's entering the Satan's house. He's, he's liberating someone. He's bringing truth. He's bringing freedom. He's bringing release for the captive. Every time a child today is, is nursed in these gospel truths. Every time a child today by their parents finally understands this is not about mom and dad's salvation. This is not mom and dad's religion. This is about me. This is about me, friends. The kingdom of darkness is robbed, and the kingdom of God advances. I love that. Friends, it's one life at a time. Jesus won the day, when the day that I submitted to the grace, the lordship, the love of God, and welcomed King Jesus to sit on the throne right here. He wins every time someone gives their heart to the Lord. Amen? The whole book of Revelation is, is summed up in that word. You know that. You know what the summation, summation of the book of Revelation is? Jesus always wins. Jesus always wins. Say that. Jesus always wins. The question is, when are we going to come to our senses? Are we going to bow on this side of the river? Because every knee will bow. We don't want to be there. We don't want to leave this life without Jesus. The mission of the church, friends. Holy Spirit empowerment so that the church would be missional to manifest, to witness, to proclaim, to show forth God's glory, God's kingdom. God's heart, the rule and reign of King Jesus. That's why we're here. It was not given so we can sit around as potlucks, as wonderful as those are, and take spiritual gift inventories and sit on our haunches. It was given so that we would be the witness of God to the world. It was given so that we would advance the kingdom. I love sitting around circles, eating potluck and whatever food we want to eat, and having discussions about Bible study. But friends, 90%, we retain 90% of what we do. Do not deceive ourselves and be hearer of the word only. Do what it says. You are an ambassador for Christ. Tell that over yourself. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Turn to your neighbor, tell them they're an ambassador for Christ. That's the doing part. As you go, speak this message. Let's get back in the mission, amen? And the text I want to use to further that a little bit more, and again, I'm getting to the heart of where I want to go to with Barry here. Is, is a well-known text, Mark chapter 16, 
and, and again, I love this text. It's going to be on the screen, full screen, but turn it in your Bibles. I just love this text. Jesus says this. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of, the God, of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Now to approach this text, friends, there's, there's a, a missiologist by the name of Leslie Newbigin. Leslie Newbigin, James Leslie Newbigin. He died in 1998. He was a British theologian. He was a missiologist. He worked a long, long, many years in India, plowing, 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 plowing. Newbigin said this. The church is the bearer to all nations of a gospel that announces the kingdom, the reign and the sovereignty of God. It calls men and women to repent of their false loyalties to other powers, to become believers in the one true sovereignty, and so to become corporately a sign, instrument, and foretaste of that sovereignty of the one true and living God over all nature, all nations, and all human lives. I think it's a wonderful quote, Leslie Newbegin. So the, my point from that is the church is a foretaste. The church is a sign. The church is an instrument of the kingdom of God. First of all, Newbigin said that the church is a foretaste of the kingdom of God. A foretaste. Turn to your neighbor, tell them you're a foretaste. Are they a yummy foretaste or not a yummy foretaste? Don't ask that question. It's an internal thing. What happens when someone squeezes you? What comes out? What happens when things get hard? What's pouring out of your life? What's happening here? When we submit, when we come to become a child of God by the grace of God, what's going on here? It's an internal thing. How the people of God are happening in here. How the people of God live in the community, even amongst ourselves in the four walls, you know, as we go into our little holy huddles in community, in holiness, in righteousness. Is that my life indicating that Jesus Christ is Lord or not? Have I put aside the ways of the world? Have I put aside those things that, that just lead to death? And am I pursuing holiness and righteousness and godliness? Is the signs of the kingdom here? The church is a foretaste. We're in the world. We're not of the world. Go into all the world. Doesn't mean we go into the world in terms of taking on the world's priorities. No, we are different people. We're called out to go into the world. We're called out to have the rule and reign of Christ in our hearts. What does that mean? Friends, I was amazed. A couple of years ago, I took a sabbatical uh, just before the whole COVID thing hit. And I'm thankful I did because I wouldn't have survived COVID without that sabbatical. I was pretty tired. And, and for the first time in my life, I took a one-week, uh, just a ministry experience, just went and received some ministry. It was wonderful. Uh, it was really wonderful. And I was in the room, sharing a room with a couple of brothers and sisters who had been in the Lord 25, 30 years. And, and to my astonishment, these, this is not a condemnation of anyone, but to my astonishment, these men, brothers in the Lord, were struggling here and here. 
with, with things that, by God's grace, he had shown me years ago, 30 years earlier, to put aside anxiety and strife and anger and these kind of things. Wait a second, hold on, time out. Friends, we can't be a foretaste to the world if there's stuff happening in here that, that God just still hasn't dealt with in my own heart, in my own life. What, am, what kind of foretaste am I going to be if I go home and I, heaven forbid, would get angry with my kids or beat up my wife or just be a nasty person to be around? Ever been around a nasty Christian before? Ever been around a joyless Christian before? That's an oxymoron, by the way, a joyless Christian. I don't understand that. But these brothers were struggling. Going to the world means we're supposed to be visible to the world. What are we showing them? Are we showing them in this time of COVID that God's got it under control? I got a smile on my face because God's got it all worked out in you. Jesus always wins. Amen? I have peace in my soul. I have love. I have joy. I have hope. The first fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If these are not part of your life, my life, i got not much to share, do I? If I'm in bondage to whatever addiction or bondage to anger or bondage to whatever addiction we could have, porn or internet, whatever, or substance abuse, what am I going to be testifying to them? Foretaste. What's cooking inside of here? What's happening here? Am I loving God more and more? Am I loving the people of God more? Do I have this joy? Do I have a peace that surpasses understanding? If those are not here, friends, what do I have to offer the world around me? Nothing. It's a foretaste. It's an internal issue. It's an internal issue that God wants to bring this heart into alignment with kingdom stuff. Kingdom values, kingdom powers, freedom. I'm free. Oh, by God's grace, I'm free. And I know what bondage is to some of that stuff because I was there at one time. Got other issues that I have to work on, but I figured by the time he raptures me or takes me up, I'm going to lose about 150 pounds instantaneously. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Friends, if there's no foretaste, if there's no salt, there's no light, there's no witness. We're of no use to the kingdom. So yeah, we have to get our houses in order. And I encourage you, I want to tell you forthright, I know this, you know this, the, your retreats that you go on, there is healing and there is wholeness and there is forgiveness and there is shalom in God. And if you are here struggling or struggling online, talk to Pastor Greg, talk to Pastor Aaron. They'll take you on that journey. It's wonderful. I love Helping people find freedom in Jesus. Amen? So the foretaste is more or less internal, but a sign is something outward, right? You think about a, a sign on the street, right? It's pointing you in a direction. A sign is something manifesting. Manifesting what? Manifesting, by God's grace, a life that has been transformed by the power of God. Turn to your neighbor and give him a sign. Not that sign. Give him a sign. What does a sign even look like anyway, right? <laughs> What are the signs? What are the signs of a transformed life? You know, we read this gospel account. I love these. I love these signs. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. They will not hurt them all. They will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. I love those kind of signs. Amen? I want more love. I want more power. I want more Jesus. I want more of the stuff. Love that stuff. 
Let me tell you, friends, maybe we have to just dial it down a little bit. What's the sign of a transformed life? What's the sign of, of a life? In, and I've, by God's grace, over the last 20 years, I've been past 20 years, wow. 20 years I've been pastoring, I've seen lives transformed by the power of God. The, the drunkard became free. The, the drug addict become free. The person that was just, just enslaved to porn or anger or whatever, become free. I love that. Friends, that's a sign. That's a sign that God's power is at work. That's a sign that God is moving in this person's life, in this, this, this life. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit to come into alignment, to come into alignment with what we read here. Because in, in my reading of the scripture, if I'm struggling or in bondage to anger, or if I'm in bondage to some of those things, I'm not free. It's for freedom's sake that Christ set me free. I'm free because Christ died on the cross for me. I'm free because he set me free. Because when I get the glory, there's not going to be any anger issues, pornography, there's not going to be any addiction issues. None of that. It's all going to be gone. My life aligning to eternal principles, transcendent principles. These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. It will, these things will never die. Love will never die. We're going to just be enveloped in wave after wave and wave of love. What should they see in our lives? Love. Love. This is when we're pushed, when we're pricked, love. When we're, when we're pushed in a hard corner, love. One of the things I tell my people, and, and I really have a difficult time with the, the vitriol that happens on Christian blog posts or Christian social media sites and Christians ripping Christians. Oh my goodness, did you read a Bible today recently? You understand that if you bent your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the authority of the Word of God that your brothers and sisters don't take apart God's church. Don't attack a brother or sister for whom Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, died for. Don't do it. Get off. That, that stuff's just poison. For the most part now, I've, I've just jettisoned the newsfeed. I don't maybe read the headlines. That's about it. Because I just, it just upsets me so much, friends. What did Jesus say on the night he was betrayed? That they may be 500 million. That they may be one. As you and I are in one, as I'm in the Father and you are in me, may they become, be brought to complete unity so that the world would know that you sent me. How can church attack church? Now I understand there are differences in, in poly. Yeah, we don't agree on everything. And eventually, Pastor Greg will come to understand that I'm right. And he, no. <laughs> I don't believe like that. I don't think like that. Do you love, the, you love Jesus? Are you, are you saved? You write, read his words, you understand? There's very few things that I hold dear and so dear. We can have a coffee and glory on the other stuff, right? But, but don't attack. Oh, unity, friends. Speak unity. Speak peace. Speak love. Speak joy. Get off the, the stupid blogs. I was uh, talking to a, a gal recently about a, a young relative of hers, and, and this gal, from all worldly standards, she had it all together. She had the money, she had the career, she had the fancy job, the fancy house, the fancy car. She had two and a half kids, all that kind of stuff. It was wonderful. But she was so in turmoil and anxiety. 
so overwhelmed to the point of almost, uh, yeah, mental collapse. How can that be? How can it be? What kind of sign are we? What kind of instrument? It comes from the inside out. The foretaste it has to start here. The sign is next. And then, friends, if we get those two right, then we will be an instrument in God's hand. We will be a tool in God's hand. Turn to your neighbor and tell them they're a tool. An instrument in God's hand. A, 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 an agent, a stepping stone in God's hand to do what? To go about my own business, to do my own thing, to have it my way? No way. No way. The disciples went out. They preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied them. I love the signs. I love the, the miraculous. I love that. I, I, my, my, my prayer request is Acts chapter 4. You know, Lord, hear their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and he'll perform miraculous signs and wonders in the name of your servant Jesus. That's my prayer. That's my heart for the church. Pastor Jane asked for prayer requests. That's the one I give her. That's my prayer for the church, not just Bethel. You. The church in Barry, emboldened to declare the gospel, emboldened with the signs that accompany it. As we go out, as we live these transformed lives of salt and light, as we take the opportunity to preach the gospel, to tell others about the good news of Jesus, and to demonstrate those principles of the kingdom, friends, other lives will be touched. Other lives will be changed. Seeds will be planted. Seeds will be watered. And the kingdom of God will advance. Now, we understand that it's a battlefield. We understand we're in a spiritual warfare, right? Some will see. Others will heap abuse on you. If they called him Jesus, Beelzebub, if they called him demon, what are they going to call us? Let it be. But I love, I love how the body of God works and, and all its beauty and all its difference of giftedness and focuses and, and personalities. I love that stuff. I, I love hearing stories of conversions. I love it when, when I hear stories of, of people whose lives were radically, or maybe not so radically, transformed when they hear about the kingdom of God, when they see it in someone's life, and by the grace of God, someone asks you for the reason of the hope that's within you. Are you ready to give them an answer? Are you ready to tell them what Jesus has done in your life? Are you ready to tell them, you know, I, I love God. You know, I'm still on this journey. I'm not where I should be, but I'm not where I once was. Let's walk together. Let's journey together. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. There was a uh, late second century Christian apologist whose name is Anonymous. That's a very popular name back in those days, I guess. Anonymous wrote a letter to Diognetus. It's quite well known, but Anonymous, I'm going to quote just a part of it. It's a full screen again back there, so I hope they're on their toes. It's going to take the whole screen. Here it goes. I want to quote this. This is late second century. He's writing about the Christians. They, Christians, those Christians, they live in the flesh, but they are not governed by the desires of the flesh. They pass their days upon the earth, but they are citizens of heaven. 
obedient to the laws, yet they live on a level that transcends the laws. Christians love all men, but all men persecute them. Condemned because they are not understood, they are put to death, but raised to life again. They live in poverty, but enrich many. They are totally destitute, but possess an abundance of everything. They suffer dishonor, but that is their glory. They are defamed, but vindicated. A blessing is their answer to abuse. Deference their response to insult. For the good they do, they receive the punishment of malefactors. But even then they rejoice, as though receiving the gift of life. They are attacked by the Jews as aliens. They are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet no one can explain the reason for this hatred. We are ambassadors and agents of King Jesus. We live countercultural to this world. This world is not our own. Somehow I lost the control now on the slip thing, so you have to advance the slide for me. This world that we live in is not our home. We belong to a different kingdom. We belong to a kingdom whose sovereign, whose ways are so far beyond. And friends, there's only a handful of us down here. There's 4% of the population of Barry of, of, of Canada, maybe, that would identify themselves as Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, Jesus-loving Christians. Now you can... That's how I sort of define where I am. I'm in a, I'm a, I'm, I like Jess Canlon. He, he calls himself a theological mutt. I'm one of those. An eclectic mix of a whole bunch of different things. I, I can't advance the slide. You have to advance the slide for him. Oh, there it is. Thank you. I'm an eclectic mutt. I, I came to Roman Catholic Church, and it was a bunch of charismatic Roman Catholics that gave me my first Bible. They were part of a renewal movement, and it was a good King James version. I got it on my shelf. I was reading that Bible, and that's how God called it to himself. After then, I went in what I call my pagan years. I was a believer in Jesus, had received the salvation of Jesus, but hadn't understood the idea of lordship. I was not attached to anyone. So I drifted. Next six years, I called myself my pagan years. I was a believer, but I lived like a pagan. Why? Because I didn't understand the lordship of Christ. And so I, I was here. I was there. I was in... Pentecostal churches and charismatic Catholic churches and chandelier hanging Pentecostal assemblies and the whole nine yards. I was all throughout the whole thing. I don't agree with all of it. But these are brothers and sisters of Jesus. If they have bent the knee to Jesus, they have been bud, bud, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. These are brothers and sisters. I may not agree with everything. I don't agree with everything. I sort of, I call myself radical middle. No, that's a term. There's a book on my shelf by that title. I think of John Wimber, Jack Hayford. Think of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Think of R.T. Kendall, if you know any of those names. I believe in a very strong biblical theology. My, my, my systematic, uh, systematic theology was under J.I. Packer. Good reform guy. I'm not reformed. I'm not Arminian. I'm biblical. Whatever that makes me, Arminian or Biblical, whatever. Um, love charismatic expression. Love the freedom of worship in the spirit. Amen and hallelujah. Why you want to give that up? I wouldn't know. I have joy. I have peace. I'm a mutt. Join the mutthood. 
Can we, can we focus on the essentials? Can we focus on the gospel? This message of the gospel, the salvation, the lordship of Christ, bought with the precious blood of Christ, Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, God incarnate. Start there, and, and, and we, can, we can differ on some of the other stuff, right? I believe in this book. I believe we need to hear from this book. I believe, friends, you need to hear from this book and read this book more than you are. Yes? That means turning off the YouTube channels, turning off the TV. It's all garbage. It really is. Because once you look at the light and you gaze into the perfect, the other stuff's garbage anyway. And friends, as Pastor Greg is saying, oh, if my people, if my people would go into their prayer closets, if my people would come together and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then stuff's going to happen. I love the revivals. I love reading the history of revivals in various places. It started with prayer people. It started with people seeking God's face saying enough of the chaos, enough of the craziness, enough of the darkness, enough of the lukewarmness in the church. Renewal, revival, is by definition for the church. Renew, that means or revive. Revive means something that was alive, now made dead, now needs to be made alive again. Amen? Renewal and revival is for you and me. Salvation is what the world's waiting for. Salvation is what the world needs, but it takes the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and be the church. Amen? I'm going to end today by asking you a question. If you think of, of Jesus' ministry as he walked this earth for three years, if you think of all the things he did, casting out demons, what, what, what stands out for you in Jesus? Is it the casting out demons? Pretty amazing. Is it raising people from the dead? That's pretty amazing. Is it the resurrection himself being raised from the dead? That's, that's wonderful. I love signs. I love the, the eyes being opened, the ears being unstopped. I love all those things. What about his power over the sea? That's pretty awesome. Peace, be still. Boom. Even the winds and waves obey him. What stands out in his ministry? Yes. That's it, friends. It's love. It has to be love. It has to be a radical love, not love. The world does not understand love. You understand that, right? You know that. I know you know that. The world doesn't understand the kind of love that Jesus brings us. But by this will all men know you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Why are we here? Why is the church of Jesus Christ, why this mission? Why are we here in Barrie? Why are you here for such a time as this? It's the love of God. It's the love of God that compelled the Father to send the Son to begin with to establish the kingdom. And love must be our motivation, friends, as well to a world that is watching. They are looking at you. If they know you're a Christian, I hope you're not a chameleon Christian. If they know the chameleon Christian them, you know, just blend in with the crowd. Just go along with it. God so loved. It's a really poor translation of that wonderful word, agapeo. For God so loved. He had a compassion for us. He didn't treat us as our sins deserve. I, I can relate. 
to the justice of God that should condemn me for all hell into eternity. I can relate to that. What I find difficult is how God can choose to love me. That's the beginning of the gospel, that God chose to love us, that God chose somehow in his holiness, in the perfection of who he is, while we were still sinners, while we were still running in, in rebellion and snubbing our nose at God, somehow, somehow setting aside, I don't know what he did, I don't know how he did it, but he chose to love. Friends, when you have the privilege the opportunity to be used as a tool in the hand of Almighty God, to minister to someone, to tell them something, to speak into their life. What is the one thing they need to know, they need to receive? Liquid love. Waves of love flowing through you. When you're ministering to someone on the street, I've done that, cold turkey evangelism, love doing that, or whatever. I want you to look into their eyes as if it was Jesus looking into your eyes. Did you ever think about looking into the eyes of Jesus? Did you ever contemplate and just spend an afternoon just gazing into his face? What do you see? Yes, there's, there's some hurt there, friends. We have not done a good job in representing him. But to this day, we just love those eyes just would be so piercing. They would cut through all my facade, all my, all my things, all my walls that I put on. They would cut through all that stuff, and what I would see would just be love. And when you have the privilege of ministering to someone, that's what they have to see in you. I don't care the words you use. I don't care what you do, but they have to hear and see and receive the love of Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. Friends, we have to take that same approach. It's got to be the love of God that compels us, motivates us forward to, to, to put down the barriers. Enough. There is one church. There is one church. And I'm, I embrace you. I, I wish it was, I'm a hugger. I'm a bear hugger. I hug trees. We were out, uh, out on the west coast when, uh, when, we were, when we lived out there, and Stephanie, my wife, took me to the island. And the old growth forest, right? Massive trees. I love hugging trees. I'm hugging this big tree. I love giving bear hugs. Now, to the ladies, I give a nice hug on the side, but the guys, ah, they need to be embraced with the love and the compassion of Jesus. Will the church of Jesus Christ stand up to continue the ministry with that same compassion, with that same transformation from the inside out, friends. The church people are looking at you. They're looking at you to see what this gospel is about. They're looking at you to see what Jesus is about. Are you up for it? Are you ready for it? Love. Love your, love your neighbor. Love the house. Deal with the stuff inside. God bless you to that end. I want to ask you this. We can always leave my, my congregation with a challenge. Right now, just before God, before you and God, who's coming to your mind right now? Who is coming to your mind right now that doesn't know Jesus? That today you could be an instrument of God, an ambassador of Christ to them, to love them, to demonstrate his love to them. This week, pray for them. Pray that they would come to know Jesus. And whatever it takes, love on them.
love on them in a way that they can receive it, in a way that by God's grace they will ask you, what are you doing this for? What's motivating you? And you have an opportunity to tell them about who Jesus is. Amen? Father, as we just quieten ourselves now in your presence, for myself, Lord, I know if I, if I follow through on that Second Chronicles passage to humble myself, pray, to seek your face, Lord, to turn from our wicked ways. Father, we don't even see it in us so often. Father, we have fallen so far. When I see the church in Acts, when I see the church in the Hebrides or the Welsh Renewal or the first and second great awakening, Lord, there was, there was power, there was love. There was your spirit, Lord, just moving upon the people. Lives were being radically transformed. Father, this is Pastor Greg's heart. This is my heart. Father, will you breathe once again upon your church? Will you breathe upon her and renew her and revive her and make her, Lord, to be a people who humble themselves and pray and seek your face and, Lord, turn from our wicked ways. Father, the world has cut in on the church way too far. Way too far. We're using worldly principles, Lord, and running churches. Oh, God. I pray for oneness. I pray for unity. I embrace my brothers and sisters seated here before me watching online. And, Lord, in that same spirit of unity, the same spirit that took Jesus this earth and took him to Calvary's cross and resurrected him, Lord, we embrace the brotherhood, we embrace the sisterhood, we embrace those. Lord, we may not agree with them all, and Lord, we know we don't, but Lord, may we focus on the things which bring us together in love and in unity, and Lord, in that unity, in that oneness, will you again renew your church? Will you strengthen her, Lord God? So, Lord, we know the time is short and many are on a wide road that's leading to destruction. And Lord, your word is true. The world is waiting, groaning, waiting for the sons, the daughters of God to stand up, be counted, be the church that you're calling her to be. Lord, it's all for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom, for the sake of the honor of the name that is above all names, the only name by which we must be saved, Yeshua HaMashiach. It's for your name, Jesus, that we ask this. And Lord, yes, it is for our good. So, Lord, come, build your kingdom here. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here in Big Church, in Bethel, in Barrie, in One Church Barrie, in Ontario, Lord God. And, Lord, take us upward, take us onward as we journey it together. We give you praise, we give you our love, we give you our devotion. In Jesus' strong name. And all God's people said, don't forget to turn to your neighbor and tell them they're loved. Do it right now. Loved by God. So loved by God. The Lord bless you. Thank you, Pastor Stefan. Wasn't that good? It was a challenge, and I uh, would hope we can go from here. And I just want us to want us to, to close with just some worship. And Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.